The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Welcome in to our Tuesday edition of the show. We come, we, <laughs> excuse me, we come to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studios. And coming up today, we will talk some college hoops with Mark Wise of the SEC Network. He was on the call for Missouri's come from behind win on Saturday over TCU. And so we'll get his take on Mizzou. Heading into the matchup with Kentucky tomorrow night and uh, some other SEC topics. Larry Vaught uh, will join us, per usual, on Tuesdays. And Roger Harden, a former Wildcat point guard extraordinaire. Uh, back in 1984, Kentucky uh, played a game on Super Bowl Sunday. And that used to be a thing uh, for several years in the uh, 80s in particular. And um, they played a game against Houston. A huge, huge deal at Rupp Arena. We'll uh, reminisce a little bit with Roger about that and uh, talk about the current Cats as well. So that's our guest lineup for today as we roll into the Wildcat news of the day. And Kentucky, Missouri has been rescheduled for tomorrow night at 7 o'clock Eastern time. It was supposed to be played tonight. Uh, and then Kentucky had to go on the uh, COVID pause. So uh, everything worked out well. Um, they... Uh, Wanted to get a little practice, a little bit of practice time in, and so the Wildcats um, are going to head out to Mizzou today, um, and then play the Tigers tomorrow. Another big opportunity for Kentucky, much like the one last week down in Alabama, where they can beat a top twenty team on the road and get a, a significant win. And you know, if there is a sliver of a chance, and I. I I think there is, but it's it's kind of pointless to to really spend too much time debating whether or not they have a a path to a potential at large bid or not until they actually start playing in a way that makes you think that they could string together several victories and and beat some of the good teams that are coming up on their schedule. But there are enough opportunities against good teams and enough games left if they get to play them all where with a really strong finish, they would have uh, a, a chance to play their way in. I think they'd still have to uh, have some success in the tournament, but uh, most likely the best path would be to get to a point where they're playing well by the end of the season and then win the SEC tournament in Nashville. By the way, for you know, all the folks that are speculating that there might not be conference tournaments, and it still could happen, but I know I saw a, a story yesterday where the ACC uh, talked about that they're still full steam ahead for the SEC tournament, or for the uh, for their tournament, and the SEC folks have said the same thing. So at, at this point, all signs are, are pointing to conference tournaments are going to happen as scheduled. Uh, Kentucky tweeted a picture from the basketball account yesterday about uh, of the Cats on the practice floor, so they were able to get back out there yesterday. As far as I know, their last practice before they had to go on the pause was on Thursday. I think they did get to practice on Thursday before uh, the testing came back and they uh, had to end up going on uh, a pause. So uh, they were able to get uh, at least some 
if not all of Thursday's practice in. So they missed Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, then got back out there yesterday. Um, I know Cal uh, was his big point of emphasis was closing out close games. Um, when we uh, talked last on the radio show after the loss at Alabama, when they had the lead coming out of the under four timeout and ended up losing by 11. So we'll see, uh, because I would imagine there's a good chance this could be another close game for them tomorrow night out at Mizzou. Can they uh, start to make some of the plays that they need to make to win those? Oscar Shibway has arrived on the U.K. campus. U.K. also put out a short video yesterday of Oscar going in to meet with Coach Cal and uh, talk about uh, his uh, opportunity to help them in practices. So um, maybe as... I don't know if it happened yesterday or as soon as today that Oscar will be out there on the practice floor. And it could be meaningful because it gives uh, Kentucky somebody for their big guys, their young big guys, to bang against. And for Olivier Saar, not a young guy, but uh, one that uh, faces a lot of physical play and sometimes doesn't handle that well, that Oscar can help them get better at that in practice. So that uh, is a development that came down yesterday. Ryan Howard named to the top 20 watch list for the Wooden Award. And then I just saw a story that uh, our friend Kyle Tucker tweeted out from TheAthletic.com. One of their writers did a uh, detailed look at the candidates for Player of the Year in women's college basketball. And they focused on four, including uh, Ryan Howard and what she is doing for Kentucky. Uh, the better Kentucky can finish up down the stretch, uh, I would think that would uh, be the better for Ryan's chances as well. And UK volleyball is up to number three in the latest coaches poll. You can uh, follow the links that we talk about, the stories that we talk about each day, and links to them on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. When we come back, Mark Wise will join us from the SEC Network. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington, and we'll be right back. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Quarter past the top of the hour, we go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline and bring on Mark Wise. You uh, see him on the SEC Network, and most recently that was the on the call of Missouri and TCU last Saturday. Uh, quite a game, went to overtime. Missouri came back to win 102-99, and now we'll host kentucky tomorrow night and uh mark thanks for uh joining us what impressed you when you saw missouri in person well tom first of all happy groundhog day or yes i like to say happy happy bill murray day (laughs) um when when uh you know missouri really was kind of dead in the water they were down 12 with four minutes to go and and pinson made a couple of timely threes uh tcu played lights out shot the ball really well yeah, the thing that you, you like about Missouri, you always like when seniors are playing their best basketball of their career. That's what Jeremiah Tillman is doing. He's an old school guy now. He's a big guy. He doesn't stretch the floor, uh, but but he's a mountain of a guy down there block to block. And one of the things that I said on the broadcast, and, and I you can watch this when you see him play, in the past he would always get in foul trouble. But he has learned to play with emotion but not play emotionally. The consequence, he's committing fewer fouls, which in turn 
He's playing about eight more minutes a game than he was a year ago, and he's being productive with those eight more minutes. As a matter of fact, in league play, he's playing 30 minutes a game. So uh, that's going to be question number one for Kentucky is what are you going to do with Tillman down block the block? Yeah, because Kentucky's uh, a little light on uh, on bulk. They don't have a 260-pound. Uh, right. Well, they, they actually have one now. He's just not eligible to play. They have Oscar Sheebway. He'd be great for this game. Right. right. Yes, that would, I'm sure Cal would like to throw him in. Uh, but uh, that, that can't happen, so uh, they'll have to find a way. Do you think uh, – do teams typically uh, try to double him and, and force him to uh, play against double teams? Because TCU also had a uh, big guy of, of the same size, really, uh, in Samuel, and they just allowed him to play one-on-one, and Tillman just kind of – he's not what I would call an overly skilled big guy. Um, in terms of what he can do when, when he catches the ball with his back to the basket. Uh, but TCU did very little of that. I would expect that to change, especially because Missouri, they don't really they don't shoot a lot of threes. They don't make a lot of threes. They don't make them at a high rate. Um, so I, I would expect Kentucky to do some doubling. Now, one of the things that's interesting is that, speaking of their three-point shooting, Mark Smith has been really one of their sharpshooters throughout the last couple of three seasons. He's in a season-long slump. And for the first time on Saturday, Tonzo Martin made a change in the lineup. He put uh, Javon Pickett into the starting lineup and and let Mark Smith come off the bench. So I think he's trading uh, a three-point shooter for maybe a little bit more grittiness. Um, and, and then you asked me about this Missouri team. You, you know, Penson, it, when, when Penson plays well, Missouri tends to play well. But the guy that I think is their glue guy, the guy that kind of makes all the dirty plays is Kobe Brown. Does not get a lot of attention. Uh, he had 11 rebounds in the game. He only had seven points and 11 rebounds in a game that was 102 to 98 in overtime. And I could have easily made the argument he was Missouri's most valuable player. Yeah, I know you guys were really uh, talking up what the, some of those intangibles that he gave uh, his team in that game on Saturday. Um, what do you make of uh, where Kentucky is? I know you haven't done one of their games yeah. yet to see them up close, but I'm sure you've watched. Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> first of all, let me say this. I, I somebody posted last night what all – the former Kentucky players did in the NBA uh, last night, mm-hmm. and, and it, it's an impressive list of production. I mean, it is, it's, it's unbelievable. So the, the system that Cal runs is tried and true, but the system was not designed in a pandemic. College players get better in practice. NBA players get better in games. College players need practice. So COVID has disrupted practice. As a matter of fact, I think uh, I just had TCU. They've had more mispractices than actual practices. So as a consequence, your development is slower, and, and Cal's system is based on, one of the things it's based on, is those early games and practice. And you got less games, less practice, so there's less development. Now, combine that with maybe this isn't the most talented team that he's had, especially out on the perimeter as it relates to quickness. No one, you know, when Kentucky rotates the ball in the years past from one side of the floor to the other, the very first thing you had to think about was, can you keep feet out of the paint? 
because they can blow by you. And then when your big man steps up, they lob over you and it's a dump. They don't get any of those kind of points. They get very few of those kind of points because I don't think they're very quick, what I call dribble speed. So they're having to manufacture points all the time. And when you have to manufacture points and kind of grind out wins, it, Tom, it's it's really hard to win games that way night in and night out. Now, I, I say all that because you know, you've heard me say this before because coaches tell you they got to defend and rebound, defend and rebound. No, you don't. No, you don't. Stop that. You got to make shots. At the end of the day, you got to make shots. TCU the other day, two and six in the Big Twelve, expected to do much with Missouri. Come comes in and they make shots, and, and as a consequence, they could have and should have won the game. You know, Kentucky goes to Florida and makes shots. When those things happen, man, um, your defense looks better, your offense looks better. I mean, your rebounding looks better. So. Nothing wrong with the Kentucky side on the defensive end. They just need better offense. Yeah, there uh, a lot's been made of their three-point shooting issues, but this is uh, Cal's in his time here his worst team in two-point field goal percentage by a significant right. margin, about about three percentage points. Some of that is is what you talked about, not getting as many of those you know lob dunks. Um, and um, you know, if, if you're not making twos and you're not making threes, your your options get kind of limited. <laughs> And Kentucky doesn't – this is also a team that doesn't get to the free throw line a lot. Um, I think they're around 19 times a game. Now, the good news is Missouri will foul. And, and I think that will be one of the stats that I will be looking at in that game is can Kentucky get to the free throw line uh, like 25 times instead of 19? That that would help in a big-time way. This is a uh, you know a big-time if or woulda, coulda, shoulda kind of season for Kentucky, but I'm just looking at their uh, Ken Palm sheet here at a lot of these numbers, and and you look at their rundown of games, um, after they fell to 1-6, and six, if they had just beaten Auburn and Georgia two games, I mean, Georgia they should have won, and Auburn they very easily could right. have won, if they had simply done that, they'd be 6-2 and two in the league, 7-8 uh, right. well, uh, overall, and um, their only losses would have been two times to Alabama in the new year, and uh, the picture would have looked pretty bright. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah, I mean, again, it comes back to that point about grinding out games. I think there are two and four in games decided by five points or less. Yeah. So you flip two of those around, and now you've got a now you've got a different uh, path forward to think that maybe you could get back into the NCAA picture. Yeah, and that is obviously uh, quite a, a, a long shot play at the moment unless they uh, really start to heat it up, which they'll have a shot to do starting tomorrow night at Missouri. Mark, thank you very much. Who do you have this week? I have uh, tomorrow night I have Texas A&M at Bandy. One team can't defend and one team can't score. So we'll probably have great theater. And then I have Arkansas on Saturday. Arkansas on Saturday. They come in here next week. Mark, thank you very much. All right, thanks, Tom. Happy Groundhog Day. Mark Wise for the SEC Network, longtime analyst on the Florida Radio Network as well, and a native Kentuckian. We're going to get to a break. Larry Vaught will join us when we come right back here on the Leach Report Radio Network. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. 
It's the Leach Report for a Tuesday. Uh, Kentucky's coming off a uh, coronavirus pause here as they get set to head to Missouri tomorrow. Just seeing a story about uh, two Kansas City Chiefs players, and this is just an example of how these things can play out. Uh, wide receiver Demarcus Robinson and center Daniel Kilgore uh, went to a, a barber to get a haircut on Sunday, and um, the barber has tested positive for COVID-19. Now, neither player has tested positive. Everybody wore masks during the uh, encounter. And so the story from NFL.com says, given the duration and proximity, both players were deemed high-risk, close contacts of the barber, and had to be placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. If the two players continue to test negative, they'll be eligible to play on Sunday in the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. Larry Vaughn joins us now uh, on the uh, KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. So we're having to get... Uh, educated and, and learning more probably week to week as things play out and new new situations come up through all this uh, craziness right larry yeah and like with those two players i assume that means they can't practice for several right. days and yet be able to play and so again with with kentucky guys i don't know that we'll ever know exactly what caused the the pause but again it's just kind of the new the new normal we live with yeah and you have to to roll with the punches and, you know, this is a, uh, a, a Kentucky team that's gotten punched a lot, <laughs> if you will, with uh, some of the you know lo- close losses that they've had. So uh, we'll see how they come out of this one. Yeah, m- maybe in a strange way, a couple of days off and just having to stop and pause and not do anything, maybe that'll kind of rejuvenate them and help them, Tom. Who knows? You know, maybe so. I, I saw uh, Jerry Tipton did a story in the Herald-Leader today uh, talking to some different coaches who had to deal with this, and Leonard Hamilton talked about how hungry his players were coming out of a, of a break like this, and then Michigan State came off a much longer break and looked awful against Rutgers. So you just don't know. Yeah, they had a, what a, almost a three week break at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from yeah, so, like the eighth so to the twenty eighth. Yeah, so hopefully, hopefully, a couple of days won't be quite the same for K- Kentucky. And uh, heaven knows, it. at this point, I mean, anything different maybe maybe it'll help because uh, with the way things have gone, it, it it can't hurt a whole lot. No, I, I always tend to think if things are going poorly. Just sometimes uh, shaking things up. Uh, baseball managers over the years have. Uh, done things like pull the uh, batting order out of uh, names out of a hat or something like that just to change things up. Uh, we'll continue with Larry Vaught when he comes right back. i uh, got a couple of stories that he's uh, done recently that we want to talk about, and we'll do that when we return. It's the Leach Report Radio Network, and we're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington in Hamburg and in Palomar. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. From the Clark's Papa Shop Studio, it's the second half of the Leach Report for this Tuesday. We're chatting with Larry Vaught, and uh, you can read him at vaughtsviews.com and uh, yoursportsedge.com. And uh, Larry, one of the stories that folks will find at Vaught's Views right now is about uh, Reed Shepard, a young man from North Laurel High School whose uh, dad, Jeff Shepard, and uh, mom, Stacy Reed Shepard, both played basketball for the University of Kentucky. And um, Reed is creating quite a buzz. Yeah, it's been pretty phenomenal what he has done. He uh, had a tri- triple-double of Friday night and scored 50 points and came back with a near triple-double the next night when he scored 
30 points, and he's just been phenomenal. North Laurel's leading the state in scoring uh, undefeated and just really, really fun to watch. Reed's averaging close to 32 points and I think nine rebounds a game, shooting over 40% from three-point range. And just as it's a fun, I've watched a couple of the live streams, and just as really fun to, to watch as the as his coach said, has the athleticism and the hops, I think, that his dad, Jeff, had, has the on-court savvy and competitiveness that his mother, Stacy had. And I don't know how many people got a chance to watch Stacy Reed play, but I watched her a lot in high school at Laurel County and then again at UK, and I think she's still in the top ten scoring list at Kentucky, even now just a terrific player herself. So Reed has a lot of qualities of both of them, and he's just a sophomore. You have covered uh, high school and, and UK sports for a long time. Um, so, is the Rex Chapman recruitment the biggest recruiting story in Kentucky that you remember? Yeah, I, I would say with, with, without a doubt because he just was a, a phenom. He just came along at a at a time where he just excited everybody. And I think part of it at, at the time, too, time was the fact that there wasn't social media and it wasn't as easy to get access to seeing Rex so you heard just a lot of stories about him and I think there's just a lot of curiosity about wow I heard Tom Leach say that Rex Chapman did this and I sure wish I could see so I think that even had it added to the hype even more and then once you got a chance to see Rex then obviously you thought well yeah he's, he may be even better than what those people are saying and in football it was Tim Couch and so that leads me to this question and uh I think I posed it to John Clay on Monday. I'll see what your take is. Um, or is this one could read the Reed Shepherd recruitment approach those levels? Well, I, I think it, it very well could, and, and that's probably not going to be fair to read because when you're talking about getting approached with the same levels of what uh, Tim Couch and Rex Chapman, that's pretty heady company to be in. But he's already got six or seven Division One offers. Got his first. Uh, Power Five offered just recently from Iowa, and I think his coaches are able to start contacting him and then eventually hopefully get out and see see more of, of, of him in, in person. I think that offer list is just going to go up and up because he, he's not a kid that's going to go away. He's, he's an incredible worker. I, I don't know if you've had a chance to see him yet, Tom, but when you look at his, his build and his frame, you can tell yeah, he spends a lot of time on the basketball court, but he also spends a lot of time with his weight and strength training. So it's not like he's a guy that's frail. You're going to have to worry. He's a pretty strong guy right now. I mean, I think he can hold his own with a lot of college players right now. So you can read about this at uh, vaultsfuse.com. Uh, he's slated to play, I think, twice if uh, the games go as scheduled in Lexington in the coming weeks. Uh, I think they play, I looked at Douglas High School uh, later this month and then at Lexington Catholic next month. That's right, and he's also scheduled to play at Lincoln County on Saturday. And they have a free live stream, and if you follow me on Twitter, I'll be sending that link out several times as we get closer to it because the chances of getting to see him play in person are pretty slim for any of us this year. So getting the chance to watch him on live stream, and if you can watch him on a free live stream, it's even better. And that's what the Lincoln County's going to offer on Saturday afternoon. Oh, well, there. Make sure to watch for that at vaultsviews.com on Twitter. Yeah, I ever think back to when, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, Rex and just that time, um, they would do things like, I think I think they came into, I want to say it was Henry Clay that they, Apollo came into play, and they moved the game to Memorial Coliseum and sold it out when it still seated about 12,000. Yeah, if you talk about athletic department taking a hit, 
there's no telling what the North Laurel <laughs> basketball receipts oh. would be like this year <laughs> if they were able to uh, have fans. But the good thing for, for Reed, he's just a sophomore, and the majority of that team is really young. So they're not going away for the next two years after this. So if you don't get to see him play in person this year, I think you'll have plenty of chances the next two years, hopefully. Hopefully for the KHSAA's gate receipts, they make it to the uh, Sweet 16 at uh, once or more in his time yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. If not this year, hopefully at least the next two years when you can have full fans in attendance. Let's talk about another story you did recently. I think you did, uh, this one showed up at uh, justthecats.com about uh, John Schlarman winning the Kentucky Sports Figure of the Year Award that the Lexington Herald-Leader presents, and uh, you talked to his wife. Yeah, I didn't really know whether to bother Leanne, and so I just, uh, Leanne Sharman, so I just sent her a message saying, hey, I think I would, I would like to be able to share your feelings on John winning the sports figure of the year if it's still not too painful for you to talk about. And she said, absolutely. And so I was able to talk to her and get her uh, comments on it. Obviously, the family's very proud, but she said it also hurt because it's just kind of a reminder that, that John is gone, but I think you'll enjoy reading that story a lot with what she has to say. I didn't know until she told me, Tom, that the family all got COVID from the funeral. Yeah, I saw your story. But fortunately, none of them were overly sick and everything like that, and they got through it, and when they came out of quarantine, they went down and spent some time in Florida with former U.K. football player Jason Watts, who has a blueberry ranch. You know, all the things I'd have thought yes. about for Jason, Blueberry Ranch was not, not exactly one of them I would have ever thought, but apparently went down there and had a really good time. But Leanne just talked about the, the overwhelming support and how that she didn't know they were going to leave the left guard spot vacant at the Vanderbilt game when she was sitting there watching. was talking about she was almost ready to scream, like, what are they doing? You know, and she said when she figured out what had happened and Landon come running out there about how emotional that was. And everything, so I, I think you'll enjoy seeing. It. I mean, she, she's a strong woman, just like what John was, and uh, nothing but love to her and those boys as they continue to try to cope with the loss of uh, John Slarman. And I hope they continue to do something uh, with John's number. Uh, they uh, after he passed, it changed from game to game. Maybe it's something where you know they can honor the you know the best offensive lineman coming out of spring ball gets to wear it for the season or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think several of the players have told me their plan is to be able to at least have somebody, maybe somebody different, but but at least to have somebody wearing that number 65 every game again next season. Now, a couple of guys, I thought they're not going to be back, but that was the intention, what they said and what has been discussed. So I've got a feeling that's a tradition you will want to see continued, maybe for many, many years, because I think it's just something Kentucky fans will certainly appreciate. And I think if you're new even when you're new coming into the program and can find out about the legacy that john schlarman left like that's going to have an impression uh, on this team for many many years to come yeah it's uh, certainly an honor to wear that uh, number for whichever player would do that yeah absolutely it'd be the, to me it'd be the best honor that any kentucky football player could have larry vaught thank you much talk to you next week all right all right tom Larry's uh, weekly visits to our program presented by Country Boy Brewing here in Lexington. And we're going to take a break and come back. And when we do, Roger Harden will join us. It's the Leach Report Radio Network.
This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Quarter before the top of the hour, and back in the 80s, it used to be a thing to play a big college basketball game on Super Bowl Sunday, which is coming up this week. And in 1984, Kentucky was involved in that game as they uh, made one of the uh, made-for-TV matchups, had Houston to come to Rupp Arena and play Kentucky. It was a Houston team that would uh, eventually make it to the national championship game as part of uh, their three straight Final Four runs. They had Hakeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, and the Vice Jamma crew. And they jumped out to an 11-1 to lead on Kentucky. And Joe Hall called timeout, according to the game story I'm reading here from the Chicago Tribune, and he replaced over-anxious freshman James Blackman with steady sophomore Roger Harden with Harden's court direction. Kentucky began its slow uphill battle that earned the Wildcats a 35-31 halftime lead. Kentucky went on to win the game 74-67 to as uh, Roger Harden finished with six points and six very big assists, and he joins us now on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Brings back some nice memories, right, Roger? That was wonderful, Tom. Thank you. <laughs> what a way to start my day. Great memory. And, uh, boy, I tell you, Rupp Arena, we had a lot of big games that year. We started that first year with our rematch with the University of Louisville and beat them. But, but, but the dream game a lot of people thought was when Houston came that year and, and brought back a lot of great memories. And to be on the floor with that, with that many, Great ball players from, you know, everybody on our front line, Kenny Walker, Melvin Turpin, and Sam Bowie were all lottery picks. Of course, Elijah Wan was a lottery pick. Michael Young was a lottery pick. Alvin Franklin was a first-rounder. So it was just it was great to be a part of that game. And we started out behind the eight ball. It was James's first start as a freshman they tried to play him at point guard and guy lewis came out and pressed us and we got down 11 to 1 as you mentioned and uh it didn't it doesn't take a lot you know when when your front line is buoy turpin and walker uh they make you look good you just kind of throw it up there and you're going to get some assists yeah that's a it's a nice uh set of targets to have um <laughs> it is you guys i looked Back uh, in '86, in your senior year, you played uh, and actually lost the. Uh, I think it was, I think it was a Super Bowl Sunday game down at NC State, uh, and that was a you know they they did that a lot in in the '80s. I wish they would uh, go back to doing that. I guess it's you know I, I assume the networks just feel like they're going to get overwhelmed by all the NFL stuff all day long, and they don't try to compete anymore. But I thought those were cool things to do to have those big college basketball games uh, to have one on Super Bowl Sunday. It, I mean, what an opportunity! Obviously, you know, playing at the University of Kentucky and, uh, is a is a uh, opportunity of a lifetime. But but to be a prelim, uh, that '84 game uh, was was really something. And there's a little bit of irony. I think that the Redskins played the Raiders that year. The Raiders won pretty handedly, but the game was played in Tampa. I looked oh. that up before I came on. That game was played uh, in Tampa, so a little bit of irony that this year's game's going to be Interesting. played in Tampa and that we're talking about it, but it was a lopsided victory. And I remember uh, the good thing about that was uh, Coach Hall gave us an extra hour on our curfew when we played uh, <laughs> that Super Bowl game, so that was always a treat as well. <laughs> uh, that probably didn't happen often. 
It did not happen often. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, was... he, uh, training rules were, were taken uh, pretty seriously, and uh, uh, but that was always a big thing. You know, the the all of the the hoopla that comes with the Super Bowl, the parties, and the get-togethers, and and things like that. So that was uh, one memorable day for, to be a Kentucky Wildcat in 84. I remember I had uh, an uncle that had uh, season tickets were about 10 rows up behind the basket in one of the end zone sections, and he couldn't go to that game, so he gave them to my dad and I. So we were there that day. and That was, you know, one of, the, the, one of those days when it was as, about as loud as I've ever heard it in Rupp Arena. Yes, yes, and I... Obviously, I've been on Twitter for three years, which has been great. You get to reconnect with all the fans, and you know, you—it's been what thirty-five, thirty-six years now, and people can tell stories just like you did, Tom. It's amazing how 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 much the program and those games meant to our fans, and uh, they can remember all of the nuances, mm, just like yes. you were talking about when you started. So. Uh, those were great memories and a great era for Kentucky basketball. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the current Cats and um, what uh, you – I made the point earlier with um, Mark Wise on, if Kentucky just takes care of closing out those the Auburn and Georgia games, how much better it looks for them at this point. But they didn't. They've got to find a way to close out. If they've been able to, to win the last few minutes of four or five games, they'd be sitting in a decent spot right now. How do they go about doing that? Well, I think, you know, obviously, you know, uh, the, the the Alabama game at Alabama, I thought, you know, of course I'm always an optimist. And, you know, I was on the 85 team that came out of nowhere late in the season and yeah. had a nice little respectable run getting beat by St. John's uh, in Denver. So I know it's possible. I, I thought, you know, Coach has been searching for, um, at least from my perspective, you know, uh, combinations. Uh, I think maybe, you know, he's probably learned a lot, too, uh, in the in the latter stages of the game. Uh, you know, we kind of we, we changed our combination late against uh, Alabama down there. Uh, BJ didn't play the last uh, three or four minutes and probably shouldn't have, but he's starting to find out who can produce and who who makes things happen. You know, down the stretch, there are certain ball players that get, that kind of rise to the occasion in those latter moments of the game, and I think he's probably learned a lot about his personnel and really who he trusts late in the game to deliver. Obviously, turnovers are a huge problem. Um, you know, I think uh, Sars has got to stay out of foul, foul trouble. He plays a little too emotional. I think his emotions get him into foul trouble sometimes, Tom. But um, but I like the team. I, I think they got a chance. Obviously, we're going to have to win the SEC tournament. But I think that's possible. I think, you know, despite their record and some of the great disappointments we've had in some of the games, Mentally, it only it only matters what they think on the inside. It only matters what the, the players think. But they've got to get some momentum. They've got to feel some W's and get to that next level of confidence that they can close games out. That's that's very big that there be a collective confidence that the team thinks they can close it out. And they've got to start. They've got to start feeling what it likes to win again. <clears throat> and if they can do that going into the SEC tournament two or three weeks in advance. 
they've got a real shot, in my opinion, to win that because obviously it's do or die for them, and I think that's when we're at our best. Well said as far as the, the confidence and the momentum uh, piece to the puzzle that uh, is missing right now. Roger, appreciate you doing this. We'll uh, catch up again as we uh, go down the stretch run of the season. But uh, enjoy the uh, the Super Bowl this weekend. Who you got? Uh, well, my heart's with Brady, but uh, if, if, if I was a betting man, my money might be with the Chiefs. Roger Harden, thank you, sir. As Roger Harden on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline here on the Leach Report. And we'll come back to close it out after this timeout. Ray Vaughn presents this day in UK history. 1966 on this day, Kentucky won a showdown of top five teams at Vanderbilt. Kentucky was ranked second. Vandy was ranked fourth. Cats won at 105-90. to Louis Dampier went for 42 there at Memorial Gym. I think it's still the, the most points, or maybe tying his tie with Melvin Turpin for the most points by a Kentucky player in that building. Uh, Louis was 18 of 29 from the field. A lot of birthdays today. Truman Clater, sharp shooting guard from the 78 championship team, celebrating a birthday today. Uh, Stan Key. Uh, Travard Lindley from the football team. Uh, UK Hall of Famer Jerry Bird was born on this day, as was uh, former UK player and uh, AD and Hall of Famer C.M. Newton, uh, all uh, born on this Groundhog Day. Uh, a couple of other notes. One top 15 showdown last night in college hoops and Texas Tech cooled off number 9 Oklahoma, which had beaten Alabama and Texas last week. Texas Tech beat the Sooners, and this was in Lubbock, 57 to 52. Uh, among the games tonight to keep an eye on is Tennessee at Ole Miss because Tennessee, off that huge win over Kansas, blew out the Jayhawks on Saturday. The Vols will come in to play Kentucky and Rupp Arena this Saturday night. Former UK commit uh, Joe Co. Willis, he has found his college football home. He has uh, signed to play with the Auburn Tigers this coming season. That'll do it for this edition of the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington, voted number one breakfast in Lexington, seven years running in the Herald Leader Reader's Choice Poll. We'll see you tomorrow. Preview Kentucky Mizzou here on the Leach Report Radio Network. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to LeachReport at gmail.com. See you next time right here on the Leach Report Radio Network.